0: Welcome to The Marvelous Gospel, a podcast where we examine our favorite movies through a biblical, theological, and redemptive perspective. I'm Frank Gill, and I'm here with my pile of rocks, Tommy
1: Hudsonson. How you doing? I'm good. I um I say this every time, but I, I want to make a running list of everything that I have been called. And I feel <laughs> like if there's any artists out there that want to start drawing these, I'd be really curious. But, dude, I'm good. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm having a, a good day. Uh, we're going to talk marvel which is always good my microphone is fixed no more me sounding like i'm speaking from the top of the grand canyon uh for those of you that <laughs> listen to the dr strange episode um and we do need to talk about this at some point we don't know we might talk about this a little bit later but uh we never talked moon Knight with anybody We oh, never yeah it's yeah, yeah. on anything and so i mean dr strange kind of took over which let's be fair was legit yeah. but we never talked moon night man
0: this is what I'll say about Moon Knight because I like, like with Dr. Strange, I want to leave that for a full um review. Actually, we should ask the people this question. So, if you are listening to this, one, I hope you know this you can leave a voicemail and then you can be on the show and we could talk to you. So, if you go um click on the show notes, there's a place where you can leave a voicemail and and uh you can talk to us there, and then also just Ask us answer, ask us, and talk to us on Instagram. But if you want us to um, – what we were thinking, me and Tommy were thinking were maybe like when something new gets released, whether it's a movie or the finale of a show, we kind of give you our initial thoughts, maybe even like a, a parent guide or uh, things to like consider as you are preparing, whether you are going to start to watch this movie or show – or to consider to think through, if you are a parent, whether you should watch this with your kid. If this interests you, if you want this kind of, like, maybe, like, a short review, initial thought, before we get into, like, a theological perspective later, uh, let us know if that's something that you're interested in. Yeah. But, so, so yeah, find, like, tell us. DM us. Comment on our, on our things. If you're like, hey, we would love those, like, initial reviews on new releas- releases. Um, you know, we would we would we would totally be open to that. But even more so, if you have questions, if you have like something that you observed in this in a, in a movie that we miss, give us a voicemail and we'll listen to it, and we'll talk about it on the show. So' yes, please. all' that's in the show notes that'd be so fun. and obviously, share this with a friend. But, but, yeah, I'll, here's my initial thoughts on Moon Knight. it it was great. It's probably the most spiritual film um of or or a piece that Marvel's made. Like it like if Thor talks about gods and eternals asks a lot of questions about our existence and where we come from. Moon Knight, I mean, it talks about the afterlife. Yep. It talks about it talks about all kinds of things. And and you know, with anything, I thought Oscar Isaac was great. I thought it was really good. I think that you know, it kind of exposed me to a conversation of DID that I've never had before. Yeah. And um, identity
1: disorder. Yeah. yeah.
0: And I think that like Moon Knight as a character is so cool. Like he's kind of like irreverent, like uh Deadpool, mm-hmm. but he's, um but he's kind of like super good at fighting like Batman. If that makes sense. Oh yeah. Like, like it kind of gives me Batman vibes a little bit, but I think he's, it's he's
1: Marvel's cool. answer to the anti Batman. I, I mean, because like Marvel and DC always like, there's some you can see like, oh, okay, this is their take on that. In some ways, he feels right. like the anti-Batman.
0: Even the fact that he wears all white is yep. just like, it's so anti-Batman. I, I wear
1: white so they can see me coming. <laughs> um, yeah, it's it's good. Yeah, I thought it was fun. Um, uh, I I thought the whole movie was I mean the movie the whole. Show itself like there was a lot of great conversations about afterlife um, next week with Black Panther. There's a shout out from Moon Knight to Black Panther multiple times. Um, yeah, yeah. Thor, Thor, Love and Thunders coming out this summer. Apparently, it was released that in a deleted scene, uh, Gore the God Butcher, who's the bad guy, was supposed to be talked about in in there. And so there's going to be some tie-ins to future stuff. Um, there's some rumors floating around too that Moon Knight's going to show up in future stuff. So yeah, I, I it was. I thought the it was the strangest Disney Plus show we've had yet. It, and that's and, and and that's including WandaVision. I'm putting that in yeah, the same yeah. category. And I think having the finale coming out on Wednesday and Doctor Strange coming out on Friday were two of the strangest shows like most yeah. unique out of this MCU normal pattern that we've had. And so the timing of the two of them was great. It was a lot of fun. It's,
0: it's definitely I will say this, it's the darkest show. It's the darkest thing Marvel's ever made. So far, true MCU on Disney
1: Plus. On Disney Plus,
0: on Disney Plus for sure. But I think for the MCU, it's uh, maybe. I mean, I don't know. It, it's up to it's up to the debate. Is Doctor Strange darker than than Moon Knight? I don't know.
1: Oh, yeah, I mean, maybe the newest one might have been. But I was gonna say it depends. Do you do you consider Daredevil, Punisher, no, 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 the no. Defenders, a part of the MCU.
0: Not yet. At least not yet. I mean, I know Daredevil kind of is, but I I want more clarity of the shows are. Daredevil and yeah. Punisher are a whole different category. But anyways, yeah. we're not here to talk about <laughs> Moon Knight or Daredevil or Punisher. We're here to talk about the 2017 release of Thor Ragnarok. Let's go! All right, all right. Me and Tommy have been talking about this off air. The moment you get to Thor Ragnarok, the, the, <sighs> there's like this like trilogy of movies. Yep. They're so good back to back to back. Um, we're talking about Thor: Dark World, then Black Panther, then um, Infinity War. And, and I was then, talking to a buddy
1: yeah. of mine last night. Talk about, so he rates this as his number one movie. Period. Oh, and it's like there's no debate. Like this, there people will consider this one over Infinity War and Endgame. Now, personally, I can't for a lot of sure. reasons, but he was just like from just a pure movie sense, there is no better Marvel movie, and so this yeah. is considered for a lot of people the Holy Grail. Of Marvel, this,
0: this movie is in my top five. It's not number Same. one, um, but it is. I, if when someone says Thor: Ragnarok is their number one movie, I'm like, okay, I get it. it. And after rewatching it, it still holds up. It's they they do so many smart things. Character arcs of so many characters are so good. It's it's just a very very good movie. And then it's also kind of like um, a political commentary on. Kind of oh, yeah. na- nationalism and stuff. Oh, so, yeah. so um, Wisecrack, which is a really cool YouTube channel, calls this the smartest Marvel movie ever made. Wow. Um Because because it's uh, it it it, um, it uses uh, the director uses humor in such a way to teach you and to and to show you something that you probably wouldn't otherwise if it was just like a documentary or a serious film. But let's let's go into the credits of who this is. So, Thor Ragnarok is directed by. Taika Waititi which is his first um MCU film and it's quickly becoming one of the premier directors in mm. Marvel. Even though he's only he's still only done one thing, he is one of the greatest directors for Marvel. Like what 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 he did for Thor is so good,
1: which yeah. was what makes me so excited because he's he directed the next Thor movie that's coming out yeah. this summer, Love and yeah, Thunder. Yeah, so if you yeah. liked Ragnarok, I don't want to overhype, but the the feel that we're getting from the trailer is eerily similar to Thor Ragnarok. Um, Thor Love and Thunder is more like Thor Ragnarok than it is Thor Dark World, at yeah. least from the trailer in terms of feel, yeah. which I'm, I'm here for.
0: So let's talk about who this movie is starring. It stars Chris Hemsworth, Tom Hiddleston, uh, Mark Ruffalo, Idris Elba, Anthony Hopkins, and with a fun cameo of Benedict Cumberbatch as Doctor Strange. Oh, yeah. Now, introducing in this movie for the first time Uh, to the MCU, we have Carl Urban as Scourge. And what makes Carl Urban so interesting is that he's in another comic book TV show called The Boys, which is a very, 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 very dark radar show. I am not recommending. No. Varsity Boys, just delete this from your memory. (laughs) This is not a good show to watch, but it's another, it's like, if MCU and DC... Was super hard R. That is yeah. the boys, and Carl Urban's one of the main characters of that show. Yep. Uh, Kate Blanchett as Hella, which phenomenal. is phenomenal. Phenomenal. I mean, I had to like phenomenal. look at what she looks like outside of this movie because it's like Kate Blanchett is not this. She's such a good villain, but she's not a villain. Does that make sense? Like in real life, like she's like a sweetheart, and like she's terrifying
1: <laughs> in this movie. She's she's she was so poised, and she yeah. did a great job of. Like a lot of other bad guys in this, that they're clearly bad. Like she was bad. Like there was zero question that she was the yeah. evil villain. But yeah. she did such a good job of toting that line of just creepiness yet yeah. poise, yeah. and it, it was just she. Oh, she really embodied this character. She did great, really well.
0: Tessa Thompson as Valkyrie. Which have you? Did you watch the movie Men in Black Four or whatever it was called Men in Black Around the World I, or something?
1: I, I did not. I, I did.
0: I saw it in theaters. It starred Chris Hemsworth and Tessa Thompson. It was terrible. Anyways, <laughs> and then uh, <laughs> uh, Jeff Goldblum as Grandmaster, which I mean, Jeff freaking Goldblum, dude. And you know, what's great is, what kind of character did Jeff Goldblum play? He played Jeff Goldblum. <laughs> he, he
1: just like so. Robert Downey Jr. in any other movie. What did he play? He played Robert Downey Jr. Oh, That's man. Jeff Goldblum just through and through, which isn't his brother in MCU, the Grandmaster's brother – the collector. Are they Aren't brothers? They, I Are I thought there was some, some sort of relation there. Um I, I need, I need a fact like, checked. Yeah, but fact I'm pretty sure they're,
0: they're both like weird kind of warlords, but that's not uh I don't know if they're related in real life, but uh or in the or in MCU terms. But Jeff Goldblum did such a good job in that role. Well, hey, while you're uh, uh, fact-checking any Jeff Goldblum facts, I'm According going
1: to Google, the Grandmaster and the Collector consider themselves brothers of sorts. But oh, neither the of yeah, them are biologically – Yeah. Neither of them are biologically related. So cool. according to the Google, that is what they're saying. So, Got it.
0: So let me give you a synopsis that I wrote down. Thor is imprisoned in a gladiator-style contest on the other side of the universe. He is racing to get back to Asgard to stop Hela – his evil sister from destroying his home and his people. He reconnects with four people along the way that helps him on his journey. His conflicted brother, a friend from work, a defected Asgardian, and a pile of rocks. But Thor has not has sorry. <laughs> but Thor has to come to turn to a difficult conclusion that means sacrificing everything he thought he knew. All right, that's my synopsis. It, 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 I've read a lot of synopsis for this. And they focus a lot on um, his time at Sakaar, which is interesting because I don't see – when I think about Thor Ragnarok, Sakar is not the main place for, for me in my mind. Yeah. But I, yeah, I realize that it, probably time-wise, we're probably at Sakaar more than anywhere else it's, it's funny to think about.
1: Yeah, I'd have to think about that. Now that you say that, you're probably right. Um, well, the only thing I think I'd change in there is I don't think he's trying to stop Hela. I think it takes the end for him to realize. I think he's trying to stop Ragnarok which that's right. that's which i mean that's semantics it's just word choice but i mean Ragnarok is is the revelation revelation is to the bible Ragnarok is to Norse mythology so it's like good. it it's it is it's the apocalyptic end con- yep yeah yep. It, and so it's it's a big thing in there so when you call thor ragnarok a lot of people were like oh is thor going to die is this going to oh, be yeah. the end because i mean it's basically like saying uh iron man the end I mean, that's another way of saying it, basically. Yeah. Um, yeah, I thought overall what you said was very accurate. It was it was very clear. Um, the This was the first movie where Loki had a personality. <laughs> Ooh, okay. Um, it, just because the rest of them leading up to this, Loki was a very binary, I hate everything, I hate my brother. And this was the first time that you got to see a little more of the conflictedness in him. Um, I do
0: think that this Loki is... More of the Loki you get from the Loki series, yes. Where previously you get this like, you don't get like a like a Loki who. The only time you get a little bit of like Loki has heart is at the very end of Avengers when he realizes that this is getting out of hand and he has to like, um, like relinquish. But he realizes he can't. But like, and then I think when he's like in pain because his mother died. Like, oh, yeah, totally. There's, but you're right. I mean, he's funny in this movie. Yep. He's, again, super charming. Um, and, I mean, it's just so good. It's so funny.
1: They they fought like brothers. They they, they actually did. felt like brothers in this. Whereas, like, with Dark World, it felt so forced. This, this one, it felt very natural. Like, you could tell that they had a lot of history together. Yeah. Like, they had a lot of friendship. They had a lot of memories. They also had the sibling rivalry going on. Thor was the only one to see through Loki's tricks. Like, there, um, there's, which is there's a great these, scene at the beginning of the movie.
0: There's these like subtle acting notes that that, um, that Loki does that I think is really good. He uh, when his when Odin says my sons and talks about Loki being his son, mm. he just has this very subtle nod that's really beautiful. That's like him realizing that that's his brother and or that's his dad. And then later in the movie, when Thor reflects, he's like, "I thought we would rule together side by side." And Loki realizing that, like, he has a brother that loves him. Yeah. And it's so freaking sad <laughs> that you get a Loki who's like, I'll come to terms that I get to be by the side of my brother who I know loves me.
1: And then we know what happens in Infinity War. Like, it's, just,
0: well, it's so sad.
1: And the end of Thor Ragnarok, the end credit scene, is basically the first scene of Infinity War. Yeah, I mean, it's just—I mean—you could pretty much watch Thor Ragnarok right into Infinity War. Which, by the way, we're not talking Lord of the Rings level long, but that would be like a long five hours to watch yeah. all that. But it would be a great five hours. That's like two of the top echelon Marvel movies.
0: If you uh, are watch if you're watching the MCU in timeline order, in terms of like how you're watching it in the movie time, that's how you should watch it from correct. Thor to Infinity War. But uh, obviously, we're doing by cinematic release. So,
1: so yeah, there's one movie in between those two that you can't skip over at all. Yeah, <laughs> we'll talk about yeah. that later. But yeah. well, let's um.
0: talk about some observations. Um, I'll, I'll start. There's there's a couple of just funny lines and scenes. I loved. I like. I just loved. Oh, oh, Scourge's uh, line is like. I got these guns from a place in, uh, in earth called Texas or whatever. Because, <laughs> and he calls them Dez and Troy, which yeah. is so funny. And then he says, because when you put them together, they destroy. <laughs> it's a dumb line. And it's so funny to me. And like, it's like, it's so, it's so, I don't know, man. Like, it is such um, like, if you were a foreigner And you think of America, and you're like, okay, what's America? Texas is America. They love guns, and who? And let's make a Cowboys (laughs) reference. Like this is such like a, like I can totally see uh, because Watiti is from New Zealand. Like he probably has these American stereotypes, and like I bet that's like I don't know, man. Just this cracked me up. Oh
1: yeah, when we were when we were in, uh, I was on a mission trip overseas, and like you live in you live in America. How did I get shot all the time? That was an actual yeah. conversation with somebody. But uh that's another that's a dark, that took a dark turn. But anyways, uh, <laughs> uh, so what was another observation you made, yeah, yeah. Frank?
0: Um everything by Doctor Strange. from the moment uh he got Loki into the to this thing and like he left a card and the music starts playing to the end when Loki when, when Doctor Strange lets him leave. Everything about that section was so cool. And it was kind of like jarring because it's like this is the first time Dr. Strange is interacting with someone else. Yeah. And it's it's so cool. He has the comic accurate costume with the gloves. Uh-huh. He he has that like unnecessary over-the-top confidence in himself. Yeah. And he's literally talking to an actual, well, we know, an actual god. But, you know, lowercase g, lower g god. Yeah. And like he's just so confident and he's tripping Thor out by like constantly, co- constantly making the move room – move, move. One guy – could talk. The room move and stuff. Yeah. It's so good. I thought it was so – And then the,
1: – The ever-flowing beer jug and and I would say this. Doctor Strange, this is a good cameo. Like this is using, using the characters that we know well to help move the story along as opposed to it's in your face. Who is this? Which – Yeah. Yeah. I won't go into too much detail there but – it it just I really appreciated them using that as a part of the story for continuity, but also Chris Hemsworth and and Benedict Cumberbatch on the same screen at the same time. Let's go! That's funny. Um,
0: uh, there was a scene when he was at Sekar and in that chair going towards the Grandmaster. <laughs> And then the do 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 doo-doo-doo, do do doo-doo-doo, do 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 that Willy Wonka, Willy Wonka song? theme song. Oh man! And <laughs> and then like he's and then it's so trippy and he's freaking out and then he's screaming and then the chair just stops. Like yeah. it's just it's just it's just it's, just, it's a, that whole scene was so so fun. The, the, what did
1: he, what did they call that? The burning stick. What did, what did they call it?
0: Oh. The, is it the melting stick of the
1: yeah stick? the melting stick? It's like, goes. What is this? To just see, uh, he goes, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And
0: then, and then he says, uh, um, "You have been. Um, what's the word when you're like not convicted of anything? You're. Um, what's the word he used? Oh my goodness.
1: He didn't say found innocent, but he found. Um, he yeah, like, I know what you're safe.
0: Like, he lets him free. I can't think of the word right now. And then by doing that, he's like, I'm letting you free of your life. And then he, like, kills him or whatever. And that yeah. was his that was his cousin or brother or something like that. Anyways, yeah. um, so we talked about this, The I think, in the first Thor movie. But there's this symbol called a, a triquetra, which is a, the, an ancient symbol that Christians have used to symbolize the Trinity. And we see it again. Mm. Uh, Doctor Strange... When he plucks one of Thor's hair to make a spell to find his dad. That's um or something like that. That's how they that, that symbol shows up. And then also when Hella, I think she's like trying to, you know, get the fire to raise the the all the evil people. The tricretus shows up again. So again, this oh, yeah, is a cool symbol. Right. Um, uh, there's a really Epic but kind of sad line. I think it's from Odin to to Loki. He says, You will always be the god of mischief, but you could be more. Or is that from Thor? Someone says that line. And I thought that was kind of sad, but also kind of like a, a nod towards what's gonna happen in Loki. So it's yeah. cool. And then lastly, um, so I said this. Oh, I should have just I should have introduced you as he's my friend from work. Tommy. I was
1: waiting for it. I literally thought that was going to be – that's part of the reason why I laughed at the beginning when you called me a pile of rocks because I was both grateful to be compared to the strangest combination of looks <laughs> and voice in the Marvel universe, <laughs> yeah, yeah. but also the uh, – yeah, that is the most famous line in this movie, period.
0: Well, what's, fu- what's funny is – so one of our like, – you and I's favorite podcast about Marvel is called a podcast called Friends from Work, which the the podcast gets its – uh, name from this this movie and what sucks is you and I could literally call our podcast Friends from Work <laughs> because that's how we met but um, but what's really interesting because that's a hilarious line it happens in the fight scene when the first time Thor sees Hulk coming out, he's like hey I know him, he's a friend from work
1: you going to say with Australian uh, accent he's a friend from work. he's got that almost like, yeah anyways
0: <laughs> but um, uh, it's, it's kind of famously known that uh, the way that line came into the movie is there was a Make a Wish kid who was on the set that day, and suggested the line to to I don't know if it was t- to, uh, to the director or if it was to to Chris Hemsworth himself, but Thor uses it, and it's like the funniest punchline, one of the funniest punches in the movies, where it's like, I know him, I'm he's a friend from work, and it's so cool that <laughs> a guy, a kid from a Make a Wish kid. But like basically introduced one of the funniest slides in the MCU. So, yeah,
1: there's the build up to there's the gladiator, the gladiator, the gladiator and like Thor is prepping himself and then Hulk jumps out and he goes, "Yes! I know him." <laughs> you just he's and you so just see good. Jeff Jeff Goldman's like, "What?" And you see yeah. Loki st- I don't know if you caught Loki starts to freak out in that scene. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah like yeah. he like starts he's like, "Oh no, 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 I got to get out of here." Yeah. Like he goes <laughs> he back said, to the he goes back he, to the puny godline. Yeah. Um and he but says, yeah. "I got to get off this planet," <laughs> <laughs> and that was and, the moment Loki knew. Yeah.
0: And also, like, with, so there's a couple, there's a lot of similarities from that 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 direction. The way Hulk like smashed Thor is exactly yeah. how he did it to Loki uh-huh. adventures. And also, there's a very, very, very subtle scene. Um, it's like one of those like very small Easter eggs. So on the on the spaceship at the very, very end, and they're all kind of like lined up for that huge shot with. With Thor sitting in the throne, and then Loki's walking up next to, to him. If you look at Hulk's hands, the moment Loki gets in Hulk's view, he squeezes his fist like he wants to punch him. Which, like, uh, <laughs> which is like a common theme from obviously in Avengers, he smashed him. But in Endgame, when they, they they show this like extended scene that happened from the Avengers New York scene, and Loki walks in front of Hulk, and Hulk like, like, like jumps at him like he wants to fight him again. It's just a it's a very small size. Anyways, those are my observations. Tommy, what are your observations? Yeah,
1: I got some fun ones. Um I just got a couple of them. One, can we just talk about the Matt Damon cameo? Like we've talked about in the past about big, big name actors having small parts holy cow i forgot about that scene so at the beginning of the movie um loki is pretending to be odin he's having this massive feast and there he's watching the uh ode to loki or whatever he calls it of watching the death and matt damon is playing loki <laughs> and you're just like wait what and, um it's hilarious it's hysterical and this goes in line with what we've talked about before of like the big name actors that are in this um there's some, even some more coming. Lawrence Fishburne is an Ant Man of the Wasp. I forgot that until very recently. You got a couple of huge, big name actors that are coming. And so the Matt Damon was just fun. Um, the conversation uh, between Thor and Hulk, it's been, I've said this several times, but re watching this, there's several themes that you pick up on that are like, oh, they're carrying that over. And there's some, there is a lot of tie in. Thor and Hulk's conversations are very similar to Widow's and Hulk. Um, where there's a lot of, um, they're about controlling, about rest, about friendship, about running. Um, even Hulk himself, like before he turns back into Banner, is like, I don't want to go back. And yeah, there, yeah, there's a lot there. I just, I just thought that was cool. Um, the line that Thor makes, I choose to run towards my problems and not away from them. Like, oof, we could sit on that for a long time. I think there's a James 1 parallel there. Um, Count all joy, my brothers, my face, trials of any kind. Uh, you want to know if Thor's fight or flight he's telling you right there but there's an idea of like running towards your problems we've talked about that um uh there another one too there's you you're going to touch on this a little bit but there's almost this new heavens and new earth for Asgard that's needed um which is good which by the way the line by the pile of rocks when he goes it's okay we <laughs> we can rebuild or not after <laughs> it blows up it is so well done um And we haven't talked about this before, but it hit me when I was watching this. Are there parallels between Hulk and Banner and Moon Knight in that there's multiple personalities fighting for control over the same body?
0: I mean, that's a kind of a good observation. I have never really considered it. I mean, I would say they're similar. I wouldn't say it's – so I would say DID – and whatever Hulk is going of through course. Kind Of two of different course. things. But I do think that like it's a similar motif. Especially when you have those weird moments where um they're like fighting over like the one scene I think about is um in infin- in in Infinity War. Yeah, yeah, Infinity War. When Hulk goes back to Doctor Strange thing, and then like Tony's like, Hey uh Bruce, time to let the green guy out. And he won't come out. He like, refuses to come out and they're arguing with each other. I think that's like, the best picture of Moon Knight where like they're like with the two people inside of you can argue with each other. That's pretty cool. That's pretty yeah. similar.
1: I would love to see Moon Knight and Hulk talk. <laughs> 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 well, can you imagine like, oh, is he talking trippy. to you too? Okay, he's talking to you. Yeah. He's talking to you. There's five of us here. Like at some <laughs> point having that kind of conversation, I think would be hysterical. Two bodies, five personalities. Yeah. Um Anyways, uh, there is – is I don't know. Isn't She-Hulk one that Moon Knight's supposed to show up in? I don't know. Anyways, a it's a, a rumor. It's a rumor. So that actually could be a conversation coming. But yeah, I, this movie overall um, for me is top five. You talked about this. I put this as my number uh, four. This is my number four. So Infinity War – My number War, four also. Yeah. I, I think you and I have the same top four. Infinity War, um, uh, Endgame – no way home. And then this one, these are top four. So, um, which is just, it makes rewatching this. I was like, okay, is it going to hold up? It holds up. It holds up. Uh, it is just from beginning to end fun. It's proper, properly paced. It's it, it, there's lots of laughter. There's good action at the right times, but the conversations are good too. Um, it's, uh, it's good. Yeah. Um, so yeah, uh, there were a couple things though. As we're watching through this movie, there was kind of one big theme. Am I good to jump in, or you got anything else that you want to add to the conversation, man? Uh, do you want to go first? Or do you want me to go first? Uh, why don't you know what? Let's let's let you run first. Let's let you take right. this because I think yours is going to jump right into mine, so we can have those sure. two work together. So go for it.
0: So I mean, we talked about this right at the beginning of the show that this is actually a political commentary. That's that's that. There's we don't have to talk about it here. There's actually tons of videos explaining how this is a political commentary on like um, nationalism and like uh, extremist positions for the love of your country and stuff like that. And I I think the commentary is actually really really well done. But um, but there's a line that happens throughout this movie that is realized towards the end. Um, is that Asgard is not a place it's a people. And that theme is over and over again. And I think it's just it's Tommy it's too easy to not uh bring this up because it's like in, a,
1: in the low hanging fruit of theological yeah. themes it was just like oh this is like the the yeah this is the lowest.
0: Yeah yeah. So I so I decided I'll take this and so um You could replace the word Asgard for the church, and you have the same concept. The church is not a place; it's a people. It's for so many people. When we think of church, we think of the place you go to on Sunday, or the place that you know—the building with the parking lot where you hear the preaching. You go there for the Bible study and stuff like that, but as you read the Bible, that's not how the Bible describes as the church. The church is not a place. But it's a people. Here are some of the words that the Bible actually u- uses sorry, to describe the church. Um, in Romans and 1 Corinthians, he uses the word body. Uh, Ephesians and Revelations, the church is the bride of Christ. Uh, Acts and 1 Peter talks about it as a flock of sheep that needs to be shepherded. And then Matthew, 1 John and 1 Timothy refer- refers to the church as a family, whom we relate to each other as brothers and sisters. And so, a family is not something that you go to. A family is something that you are, that you are within. In the Bible, there's no like encouragements or pleas for people to go to church. The plea is not for non believers to, to go to church, it's a plea for be- non believers to become the church, to participate in this live, living organism that God has created called the church. So, in the first century, if you were a believer, you were inherently a part of the church. If you weren't a part of the church, no one would call you a believer. Like that, there's no concept of a non-believer being in the church. You so so th- this concept of like, well, a church is a place we go to, is is a foreign concept to scripture, and it's a modern thing that we've made in our consumerist mentality of how we view church being a part of the church meant to be involved in or committed to the life and well-being of other believers in, in your community. Um, if We're not careful. I think the problem that we have in America and, and, and the way we look at church is we treat church like a gym membership. And so like mm, a gym good. membership is just something that's like very practical. Like, hey, I go there, it has the things I need from it, but if I can find a better deal somewhere else, your allegiance isn't with the gym that you go to. Your allegiance is what you can get from the gym. Very few people are like loyal to a specific gym because it's that gym. They're loyal to that gym because of the times they're open, the amenities they have and things like that. I The church is not meant to be looked like that. Like The reason why I go to the church is because it has these Bible studies or it has this type of music but like the church you go to is because of the people that go there it's a family but let me so i gotta make this one clarifying thing though i'm not saying this because i'm a pastor and therefore i want people to come to my church but i think i think there's a pendulum swing where you can go too far one way where you think the church is just a building but you can go too far the other way where you can say well church doesn't like going to church on sunday doesn't matter because we're a body we're people not not a place In the same vein, the Bible talks about the assembly, the gathering of his people. And I would say the fact that churches today can have buildings is actually a blessing. It's a luxury. It's a gift given to us by God. The fact that we live in a free country where we can have buildings with parking lots and all this other stuff together. together. Yeah, the early church did meet in homes, but they also met in other places in public. They would meet at the temple for worship. the church building is a blessing, and when you gather as the saints on Sunday morning, that's what we're called to be doing in Hebrews and other places where we the gathered assembly coming together for worship. I think that uh, that though the church is a people, not a place, the gathered location of those people is important because that's, we're called to worship together and we're called to partake in, The the ordinances that God has commanded us to partake in and things like that. So, I guess Tommy, when when you think of the church being a people, not a place, but yet it should still assemble together. How have you qualified that over the years when you have pushback and things like that?
1: Oh yeah. Um, So, I was a worship. So, if you don't know, I was a worship pastor for six years. So, the whole gathering together piece—it's the spiritual discipline of corporate worship. Um, and I would actually call it a spiritual discipline. Uh, the disciplines are patterns that change us. I put uh, worshiping together in the same category as prayer and fasting and reading your Bible and solitude. I'd actually put that together. Um, I, scripture you can't you can't look past the church and you can't look past Acts two. Uh, they were gathered together. I don't think you can look past Hebrews ten, which says, "Do not forsake the gathering of one another." And in Colossians, there's actually a part in there singing spiritual songs to one another. It's actually in the book of Colossians. Part of us singing is not just us worshiping God, but also us singing to one another the truth so we can learn. Something happens in song and hearing the word. And I would argue this. Um, no team is a team by themselves. The only reason they're a team is because the group is together. Um, so you you take like, uh, we'll just use the Bucks. We live in Milwaukee, right? Giannis is not the teams, which rip game seven. Sorry, too soon, all you Milwaukee fans. Um, but the team is not... the. Giannis can't show up and we say the bucks are there. The bucks are only there when they're all present. I think the church is the same way. I can't walk into the building and it's just me. It's not the church unless the people are there. And so I think it's it's similar. Um, so yeah, I think your, your juxtaposition between the it is the body, it is the people completely, 100%. Um, and then I've all – but the other side of – yeah, you, you – doesn't mean that. Oh yeah, I'm a part of the body. I don't need to attend to be a part of the church. Um, there's this interesting uh, statistic by Barna. This was done pre-COVID, so I'm sure it's different now. But Barna is the they they do research on like what kind of wh- what is the spiritual tick of America or what the church or whatever. But they did a research and they asked people, "Do you have a church home?" And of the people that said yes, in order for a person to call a church home, they only go once every six weeks. And so you start to think about, can I be a part, if I were to say, yeah, I I have a gym membership to use your own metaphor, but I only go once every six weeks, we would look at you and say, you're not a part of that gym. (laughs) You, you, You just have that as like a, as a, as a placeholder, as a card, so you can pull it out when you want to versus no, actually being a part of the body of believers requires you to be with the body of believers. It seems kind of like a no brainer. But yeah, I think I think to view it that way is incredibly. So this makes the end of the movie like when Asgard blows up, <laughs> when it goes, kaboom, you know, the big fire monster, which I couldn't remember the name of it, when Ragnarok finally happens and is destroyed, and that goes, and he's like the rock rock guy is like, Oh, it's okay, we can rebuild, and kaboom, and he goes, or not. <laughs> I just it's so good. And it actually makes a beautiful picture that I alluded to this earlier of the new Asgard on the 616 earth it's like you have that beautiful picture which we've already seen pictures of that in thor love and thunder so we know they're not going away from it yeah i think what you're talking about this is the low-hanging fruit of the movie um what actually makes as guardians as guardians it's not the place it's the people and yeah. thor comes to that realization at the beginning it's the place he needs to protect the place by the end of the movie he recognizes no it's the people it's not the place yeah um yeah. No.
0: Yeah.
1: Well done. Well said. Well,
0: what, what do you got? What's your big observation?
1: So mine is similar, um, ish. So I think one of the other main themes of this movie, uh, besides what you said, what makes an Asgardian an Asgardian is sacrifice. Um, not that sacrifice makes an Asgardian, but that sacrifice is a main theme. Um, there's and there's a couple big ones. One of them is Banner giving himself up for Hulk. Um, when Banner finally gets control and he's all that there, but then he he um, um, he gives himself up for Hulk. And then Thor, um, he gives up Asgard. He gives it up. I think I think the the, the idea of sacrifice is big in this. And I, I would sacrifice, I, I'm going to give you a definition. I want your pushback. All right, here it comes, Frank. So sacrifice, I would say this. Sacrifice is the idea of giving something desired for something greater. Sacrifice is the idea of giving up something desired for something greater.
0: I like it. I like
1: it. Um, That's me coming off the top of my head. That's not Webster's dictionary. That's not anybody else. Um, So you see this in the movie. Banner gives himself up for Hulk. And later on in the movie, Banner knew that Hulk was needed. So he willingly gave up the control of the body to Hulk to take over. He sacrificed the ability to be in control for the sake of the Asgardians. Um, Also, in a humorous way, Hulk sacrificed Hulk smash uh, and let the large fire monster destroy. When, let's be honest, the fight between Hulk and that monster would have been awesome. That would have been a CGI fight that I'd be here for. Um, and there's also the major sacrifice at the end, um, when in order to save countless lives, Thor sacrificed the the land of Asgard so that the people of Asgard could be saved. I think that's clutch. So sacrifice is there. The entire movie is littered with multiple times in which sacrifice happens. Um, I you know I could I could easily say so. Where do we see this in scripture? And hang, take the uh, low hanging fruit of Jesus' sacrifice. So we should too, um, which is true. Like let me just say that that is true. But I want you to track with me for a second. I want to go to a question that Jesus asked in Matthew 16, where he goes um, and he has this famous uh, word. So Matthew 16, let me read it real quick. It says, then Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to me, my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will find it. And this is the famous question. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? All right, what is Jesus saying here? Jesus is using one of his greatest teaching tactics, which is him asking a question. Um, He's asking, what is it good for a man to gain everything, yet let his soul be lost? Um, The question itself is kind of a dumb question. If you take it at face value, right? Of course, I don't want to lose my soul. But the plainness of his asking, the plain, like the very just straightforward, is actually telling. How often in life when we're facing... um, tough choices or sacrifices are put in front of us, um, we don't see this perspective. Uh, Jesus is pointing out, I think, when we back up and we see the bigger picture, it's actually a simple answer. Yes, sacrifice is the way to go. Um, Here's one simple way I think of uh, is that one way I can think of this idea is some of the decisions I have to make now as a parent. Um, If you know anything about me, I'm married. I've got to my beautiful wife, Sarah, 11 years coming up this year. uh, We've got three beautiful kids, they're awesome um and it, it, i love them dearly if you also know anything about me i love competing i'm a very competitive person i have the competitive gene i absolutely love strategy competitive games i don't care if they're board games video games whatever i just love competing i grew up playing sports i just it, it's in me um and i could easily spend multiple hours and multiple days focusing and tunneling in on that and get lost in there um now, here's the thing. I have a choice. I could spend those days and weeks, every hour, playing those games and completely ignoring my family. Or I could give a fun, competitive thing, give up that fun, competitive thing for something better, time with my family. Look, this seems like an easy choice, right? It's like, dude, come on. Um, like this is, this is a no-brainer. But I can't tell you how many times in the moment I want to play those games. I want to scratch that competitive itch all the time. However... When I back up and I see the big picture and actually put those desires aside, I get to be a part of something better time with my family. Um, look, the decision may seem like a no-brainer, but it's you might be listening and go, dude, come on, just spend the time with your family, right? What is it for a man to play video games yet lose his family? Um, But when you're in the moment, I think it's incredibly difficult to see the bigger picture. This is why in this movie, when Thor and Hulk sacrifice for the bigger good, they see the big picture and are willing to make the sacrifice um, of giving up something good for the better. Mm. And I think we should do the same. Um, We should do the same in our walk with Christ. Um, I could sleep in on Sunday. You just talked about this. Or I could do the better thing and worship Jesus together with other believers. Mm -hmm. I could spend on weeknights sitting at home, watching entertainment, playing video games or whatever. Or I could be in God's word or with his people. Um, Look, when we prioritize the importance and are willing to see the big picture, the sacrifices actually don't seem that big. Um, To quote Thor in this movie, when he's talking to Loki, he says, life is about growth and change. You, you just stay the same, which we could talk about that later. Wow. Um, and so the question I think is: Are you willing to grow, which requires sacrifice, or, as Thor said to Loki, are you wanting to stay the same? Yeah. I don't know. What do you think, man?
0: You know, I think you're ultimately asking in here you're 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 really asking a question of wisdom and discernment, um, because you said like, it's the the answer to the question seems obvious, but like it's hard in the moment. And I think like... Totally. I think like, for example, Thor's desire to save Asgard, I think, was a noble one. And I think um, even... Like, it took him kind of till the end of the movie to realize that Ragnarok wasn't a thing to be stopped, but a thing to to create in order to save Asgardian people. And it's like... But you don't get to those dis- these complex. I mean, this goes back to our podcast about how to make difficult decisions in complex situations. You, if you're not steeping yourself around wisdom and wise people, and and kind of like practice, like trying to d- do the hard work of discerning, making those sacrifices are not going to be obvious. They're going to be difficult, complex things because your mind won't be like, well, why should I? Why should I do this? Or why should I? Um, sacrifice i mean like um banner being scared to go back to the hulk was a pretty rational decision like that's a scary place to be but like the sacrifice was worth it um uh loki wanting to be the 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 king of sakaar (laughs) instead of going back home i mean valkyrie um Not wanting to go back because, like, literally, I think it's alluded that the reason why she's alive is because she ran away from the fight from Hela in the first place. And so, like, she knows that this might be a suicide mission, but like that, that the conversation of sacrifice comes from a place of wisdom and discernment that Ultimately, I mean, you actually didn't even mention some other people. Heimdall made that call for sacrifice by taking that sword and trying to save those people. Like, there's so many examples of sacrifice that ultimately oh. didn't paint them like. If like, the odds are they were all going to fail because he- he- Hella is so strong. Yeah, but they were willing to do the sacrifice because if there's even a like a smidge of a chance, it would have been
1: worth it. Which sacrifice is going to be a big motif moving forward, too. This isn't the first time we're going to see it. I mean, Iron Man, Black Panther, um, even down to you mentioned Heimgall. Like in Infinity War, at the very beginning of the movie, the very next scene after Thor Ragnarok, he sends Hulk to Earth and sacrifices himself so that Earth can be ready for when Thanos comes. There's a sacrifice there. So I, I think there's that. But I think we could watch the movie and just go, oh, look at the beautiful sacrifice. But then in our own lives, we're not willing to do it. And so I think it's a both and, like, what are the things that we need to sacrifice? Look, are playing games, like board games, competitive, like, is that bad? No, it's not inherently bad. Um, just like in the same way, is Valkyrie living or Heimgall living or Thor trying to save the Asgard bat? No. But they're willing to see the bigger picture and willing to give up the good thing for something better and greater. And I think in our own lives, as we're chasing after Christ, I think you mentioned it, like even making decisions, which by the way, shout out to Blake. He reached out, we hung out, he was going through some stuff. Um, Hopefully it helped just talking, but he, but I don't mean that like, Hey, he reached out to me. That's the shout out. But rather he was like, Hey, I realized that I have some things in my life that I need to work on. And so I want some feedback from someone, another follower of Christ. Like that's the wisdom piece of wanting to sacrifice and make the right decisions. And yeah, I I think it's good. Um, it it the the whole movie from beginning to end was just a movie that you just sat in and it was pure entertainment, but not just pure entertainment, it was laughter. It brought up really good conversations and this set up every character in this movie to be beloved. Yeah. Every yeah. single one. Loki was beloved after this. Thor was Thor went to another level in this movie. Um, even Idris Alba and Heimgall, like, I like he becomes great. We meet new characters along the way. Valkyrie becomes more important, um, which she's still around. Uh, you've got – it just – this movie did such a great job of not just telling a story but making you fall in love with these characters and making the decisions that they have coming up um, hit harder. And I would put it this way. Loki, the TV show, would not have mattered if right. Thor Ragnarok didn't happen.
0: Yeah, yeah, You know it's funny? Like, Heimdall, which is played by Idris Elba. Idris Elba, one of the, like, biggest actors of our time right now. Yeah. was the just next James a, Bond, question mark? Yeah. He was just a doorman for two movies. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And they're finally like, okay, we should make him a little bit more of a significant character, finally. And, like, even, like, and this goes back to Marvel's genius, Korg. Literally a pile of rocks. (laughs) And he's such a beloved, like, he's such a funny character. The lines are so, I mean, it's so good. But ultimately, uh, one last thing about what your point is this the word discernment, what it doesn't mean to figure things out. Discernment is how to determine between what is good and what is best. Discernment has to do with like difficult situations. And trying to figure out, like, what is the best thing we should do? Not, like, yep. how to figure it out, but what's the best thing we can do in that situation? And and calling for sacrifice is always about using discernment to make that wise decision. And sometimes yeah. that looks like, don't get it twisted. This isn't just about, like, should I die for someone? Or should I should I, like, do, like, discernment might be, hey... Am I, or sorry, sacrifice doesn't always have to be like, should I die for someone? Sacrifice could be, should I wake up an hour earlier so I should go to the gym to take care of my body? Discernment looks like I could eat this cheeseburger, but should I have this salad? Sacrifice looks like I could spend my money on um, this video game, but I should spend my money on this book that would be more enriching to my soul, right? Like- that's what sacrifice looks like more often than not, than just like I'm laying down my life for someone else, which that's a very real sacrifice as well. Anyways, bro, Thor freaking Ragnarok, top five <laughs> film, so good. I enjoyed it. Man, and then next week, whoa, oh, do we have oh we have Black Panther, which is such such a good film. And then um uh Tommy, we, we have some surprises. For our yeah. friends here some um some special guests are coming up uh and I can and, and some special guests that we do not deserve like we no. do not deserve no. to be in their presence for this podcast and the fact that we got this is like it, it blows my mind so with that being said uh we are enjoying this rewatch with you uh, I hope you're watching these movies if you want to help us. Follow us on Instagram. Give us a review on Apple Podcasts. Share this with a friend. You can, and,
1: you can now. We just found out you can review on Spotify. Please review can. us on there too. Yeah,
0: and share it with a friend, man. Let 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 those numbers go up. And have have <laughs> have your friends uh, find out about. If you're a Marvel fan that loves Jesus, and you have other Marvel f- friends who love Jesus, share this podcast. We will see you next week. And remember, when you watch these movies, no, don't forget the marvelous gospel. See you next time. Bye.